0: John chapter 6 is where we're at today, and as it was mentioned in the announcements, and uh, Zach mentioned it, uh, we are having a lunch afterwards, and it's for everybody. It, it's just uh, an opportunity just to kind of get back together uh, as a church body, as friends. For those of you who are guests with us and you're kind of checking New Life out or you're just here visiting, um, you're welcome. We, uh, our church is built on, on fellowship. Our church is built on love and uh, we uh, we desire to get to know people we save relationships build churches and so we do our best to build relationships so please stick around get to know us um, some of us may look like you know we're unapproachable or mean but we're not okay uh, we're a series called what is the meaning of life and uh, as i was preparing and going through all of the, all the time that we've been going through, uh, listening to people, talking with people, it's like the Holy Spirit just kept speaking to my heart and saying, uh, we need to talk about answers. We need to talk about being ready to give answers. It's great to, it's great to know your Bible. I mean, it's incredibly important that you know your Bible, that you read your Bible every day. It's incredibly important that you know what you believe. But the Bible says that we are to be equipped as followers of Christ. And that begs the question, equipped for what? It's not simply equipped to win sword drills or to win Bible trivia when it comes up on Jeopardy. It's to be equipped to go out into this world and tell people about Jesus Christ. Because if it's never been apparent to you, it should be apparent now. Many in this world don't know who Jesus is. Or if they know who Jesus is, they don't know what he's really about. They don't know why he truly came to this earth, and they don't know what he can and wants to do for each and every individual. So it's incumbent upon us, it's vitally important, it is our mission in life as followers of Jesus to not just grow in our faith so that we will be stronger, so that we will give more of ourselves over to God so that he can do more through us, so that he can uh, show us his glory and and build that relationship with him, but it's so that we can go out and tell other people what we found. We can go out and tell other people what he did for us and what he wants to do for them. Now more than ever in our day and age, people are searching for something. They're searching for meaning. They're searching for purpose. They're searching for answers. And quite honestly, what they're getting in return from society is fake, it's lies, it's false. I won't even say it's false hope because most of the time there's not much hope at all. But we have hope. We have eternal hope in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be your savior, then the Bible says you have eternal hope. But the Bible also says that we are responsible to tell others. We've been made watchmen. We've been made guardians of the world, if you will, to go out and tell them. And we learned uh, last week that not only are we children of God, but when Jesus came into this world, he said, I am the light of the world. And then as he was ministering, as he was preparing to go and die on the cross and go back to heaven, he said, you are the light of the world. You are the ones that have been commissioned with the message, with the truth, with the hope of God. And it's incredibly important that we as followers of Christ know what we believe, why we believe it, and be able to give a defense of our faith, not to win an argument, not to make a point, but to show other people the way to Jesus. Now we're going to be reading uh, John chapter 6. It's uh, John chapter 6, beginning at verse uh, 22. (laughs) If you would stand with me as we read God's word. This is our text for this series, Honest Questions That Deserve Honest Answers. So they found him on the other side of the sea. They said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life which the son of man will give you because God the father has set his seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. Right there in a nutshell, in a phrase, is the purpose and mission of every, belie- of every human being. That is your purpose, to, believe, to find the truth of Jesus Christ and to believe in him. If you're here this morning, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ your Savior, and you don't know what it is we're, what, that we're talking about here, I'd love to sit down and share with you who Jesus truly is and what His mission here truly was. What sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you? They asked. What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, just as it is written... He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. You may be seated. Now we have been in this series Uh, honest questions that deserve honest answers and this message in the series is what is the meaning of life what am I here for what are you here for as a human being what are you here for are we here simply to uh, be born to live and to die and to leave a mark to make the most we can to be as good as we possibly can to um, be a good influence is that what we're here for Or is there something deeper? Is there something more important? Is there something that God has planned for each and every one of us? My contention is that there is. There's more to this life. As Stephen Curtis Chapman said, there's more to this life than living and dying, than trying to just make it through the day. And quite honestly, over the last year and a half or year and eight months, doesn't that that feel like what we've been trying to do? I think people over the last almost two years now, I think people have been trying to not die. And I'm, I'm sorry if that being so bold and blunt about it offends you, but that's the truth. I think people have been trying to not die rather than live. And I'm not saying we throw caution to the wind and we go about without, you know, well, uh, without a care in the world, because I think there is a care in the world. I think you do need to be cautious. I think you do need to be safe. I am vaccinated, okay? I got my flu shot this week and it's different this year. I don't know what is going on, my arm is hurting. It never hurts from the flu shot. It couldn't be that I'm old. <laughs> couldn't be, couldn't be. That has nothing to do with it. But I think over these last couple of years with all the fear in the world that people have been living their lives with hopes of not dying. Rather than the hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ, there's more to this life. As a follower of Christ, there's more to this life. As a human being who has been born into this world, there's more to this life. And that's what we've been talking about. And we've gone to the the book of John and talked about the seven I ams. And we've covered four of them already. Jesus seven times says, I am something. The first one was, I am the resurrection and the life. We talked about that at length. The second one is that we covered was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember, we talked about Jesus as the truth. Jesus is truth. Truth emanates from God. His core is truth. The next one we talked about, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And last week, we finished up with I am the light of the world. Today, we're going to get to the fifth I am. They're not necessarily in order, but they're, they're the order that we're delivering them. And this one is, I'll tell you, this one is a really tough one because there's so many layers to this I am. There's so many layers to this purpose of Jesus Christ. There's so many layers to this part of of God in our lives and what he wants to be and what he wants to do for us. And I think this is the one that many of us get, get, get hung up on because many times we don't know how to discern. We don't know how to read what God is doing in our lives and we're afraid to move forward. We're afraid to move backwards. So we get stuck in neutral many times. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. Remember, we said at the very beginning of this, to find your purpose, you need to ask, seek, and knock, knock, knock on the door. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, you can flip over there if you'd like, because we're going to be reading that passage here in just a moment. In this passage, Jesus calls himself the shepherd, and he calls himself sheep, he calls us sheep. And at first glance, that might seem offensive because sheep are some of the most docile. Quite honestly, they're not the smartest, uh, not the smartest animal in the field. Okay? Sheep are, uh, if, if a wolf breaks into a sheep pen, the sheep won't band together and fight. They just go into a little huddle and it makes it that much easier to wipe them out. Sheep are... I think they're there, but I agree with God on this. How about that? That sheep are a great representation of who we are, who we are as people, because we wander around life trying to figure things out on our own and not knowing, not having the understanding, not having the wisdom to know how to navigate life. We see what happens when humanity leaves the decisions and choices and the wisdom up to themselves. Look at where it's gotten us. If you want to know what it's truly like for mankind to follow his own dictates, his own, uh, their own wisdom, their own understanding, just look around and you'll see the disaster that humanity can make of itself. But Jesus says, "I am the door. I am the door." What does that mean? Roman uh, John chapter 10, Verses 1 through 10 read as follows Truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. Right there, we need to stop and take notice that Jesus is saying very clearly, very plainly, without equivocation, I am the way, I am the door, I am the only way. Right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, I'm the bread of life, I'm the light of the world. That leads up to this I'm the door. You don't get in any other way. Oh, you can say this is the way it is. You can say that is the way it is. You can make things up and you can make up your own religion. You can make up your own way of of thinking and following, but that's not true. Jesus says very clearly, I am the door. I'm the only way. Listen, folks, I know today we're, we're in this culture where We don't want to offend anybody, and quite honestly, (laughs) if you do slip up and offend somebody, life is miserable, right? People will call you out on on social media, and depending on how deep your transgression and depending on how bad it is perceived that you offended somebody, it might make the news. I had a friend pass away uh, last week, known him for years. And uh, he's, he was a believer, follower of Christ, had some different views than I did. We disagreed on some things. Um, and and I'll, I'll tell you, he believed the earth was flat. And he was a, a, um, a strong, pro- strong proponent of that, known in the flat earth society, as the leading evangelical flat earther. And we had some discussions, and it just got to the point where it's like, okay, all right, man, you know what? This isn't getting anywhere, so I'm just gonna, I'm just, w- listen, we can talk about the memories, and we can talk about our past, and we can talk about how good God is, but we're gonna have to leave that alone, all right? Because that's just craziness. And... he he also didn't believe in what's going on right now he didn't believe in covid he didn't and i'm not making a statement about that please don't get me wrong he was anti everything and he made a statement over the summer at a convention and it said i have a feeling in 2 to 3 years we're going to find out what the truth of all this is somebody's going to be left standing and it could be you and i may be dead by that time and he passed away from COVID. And listen, I listen, it, people make their own choices, people live their own lives. I think that's the beauty of being an American. I think that's the beauty of following Christ, that he gives us the freedom to choose him or not. Gives, even when we're followers of him, he gives us the freedom to choose our path. Some of it, some of those choices are leading to, um, to great blessings, and other choices lead to destruction. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I'll tell you, getting back to the point of my friend, you you would not believe the feeding frenzy in the national media about this guy, the mocking of his life. Doesn't matter that he helped out literally thousands of people. Yeah, he had some crazy views. Okay, I get that. (laughs) Don't we all? Seriously. Try being a hardcore Rams fan in Patriots country. Seriously. But where did civility and honor go? Nowadays, when you offend somebody, all they wait for is the opportunity to obliterate you. Unfortunately, many times in the Christian world, it's that way as well. And we as Christians are looking, we're looking more for an I told you so opportunity than we are for realizing that people are lost and dying and on their way to hell, and they need Jesus more than they need my opinion. They need Jesus more than they need my thought process. They need Jesus more than my political stand. They need Jesus more than my opinion on mask mandates. They need Jesus more than anything. And see, that's why if you, if you wanna know why we're, we're changing things here and going back to a little bit more normalcy, It's because we need to regain. We need to retake. We need to own the narrative once again. We need to get back to what is truth for us. Not what what they think is truth. They need to know the truth because the truth will set you free. Why? Because the truth has set us free. And like I said, we have to live in this world. We have to understand. We have to be discerning about what is going on. As I said, I did get the flu shot. Uh, I'll be 59 in yeah i'll be 59 oh sh- shut who whistled you uh, people out of your minds cliff what in the world my gosh that's just brutal in in like 5 weeks or something like that and i've had the flu in the last several years it's no fun the flu is just no fun especially if you get the really bad one and it's terrible so, wow. Uh, mm, mm. I apologize for those of you who are guests. We don't, we don't usually treat our pastor this way. Okay, that was my wife that said that. All right, that's my wife that made the age comment. Uh, hmm. But um, so I don't want to get it. So I believe, I believe God has given mankind wisdom and humanity wisdom to make wise. So I believe in science. I believe, in fact, I'm one of those crazy people that believe science proves God. I, absolutely, I believe science proves God. And, and we can have that conversation sometime down the road if you'd like. But I truly, I believe science proves God. I believe archaeology is science, and the more archaeology digs into the dirt, the more they find. The truth of the word of they found the hometown of Goliath. You know that found the hometown of uh, where where the giant Goliath who was killed by David with a stone and a sling and the power of God. I don't know what to tell you. It's true. You see, my my desire in this world is to love God, love people, and share my faith. And live my faith. No matter what the circumstance and no matter what the situation. You can do that all throughout your day. You don't have to get caught up. You don't have have to get caught up in all the nastiness. You don't have to get caught up in all of the ugliness. You don't have to get caught up in all the controversy. You can simply live Jesus. You can be that calm in the midst of the storm. That brings us to this. Let's finish reading this, uh, Beginning, going back to John 10, verse 2. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will want to run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this fig- figure of speech but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the door for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and out and go and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they might have life and have it in abundance. I find it a beautiful harmony That Jesus refers to himself as the shepherd and refers to us as sheep. And who are the the people, who was the first group of individuals that the birth of Jesus Christ was announced to? Shepherds. He He doesn't make mistakes, man. There's no coincidence with God. There's a reason for that. Here's some facts that we see about Jesus as the door in this passage. He says, I'm the only true way. All others are false. There are not many roads that lead to heaven, folks. You need to be straight on that. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, if you're going to truly love this world like Jesus did, it's not hatred, it's not anger, it's not arrogance, it's truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody, nobody, absolutely nobody goes to the Father except through Him. Now he says if anyone comes in by me, they will be saved. And we, we hear that terminology and we think, you know, those of us who are old school uh, fundamentalists, we think, well, saved means we've accepted Christ as our savior, we're born again. But that's not what this passage is saying. He says, those who come in by me as the door, they are safe. There is safety in me. When you, when you go through the door That God has opened for you there is safety. Then he says they will come in and out and find pasture and the idea of that phrase is that through the door that God has placed before you through the door of Jesus Christ not only will you be safe but there is freedom to operate within the will of Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? In Jesus Christ, there is freedom and there is safety. Remember, back in in one of the iterations of our new life sign out on the road, we used to have two different uh, two different icons on our sign for a long time, and one of them was the ichthus. Yeah, everybody know what the ichthus is—the Christian fish. We had that on there, and it wasn't just for decoration. And the other one, in each corner of the sign, was a wheel. It kind of looked like a pie. If you ever, if you ever played um, Trivial Pursuit and seen the the, the circle there, the pie—it's kind of like what that world, what that wheel looked like. And it was decorative. And it was done intentionally. Those two icons come from the first century when the Christians, uh, when the Christian Church was under persecution for following Jesus Christ and going against the Jews, and later going against the Romans. And they were. The persecution was such that if they were found, they were either imprisoned or jailed or or killed. So they came up with these different signs. Another one was an anchor, but the anchor was uh, for a different purpose. But those two icons were secret signs. The ichthus, the fish, if one brother would meet another brother, one sister would meet another sister. In public, they would draw one half of the fish and the other person would draw the other half of the fish and that would say to you, you're free to talk to me. You're free to talk to me about Jesus. I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus. So it was a symbol of freedom. And then the wheel, the wheel actually took the, the word, the, the letters, or the words, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior in the Greek, and they, they superimposed them on each other, and when they did, they found out that it made a wheel. Made, it made a wheel. So they took that wheel, and they put it on the, the doorposts of their gates. Or they put it on their house, and if, in caves back in those, those times, they, you would find the wheel drawn on those caves. And people thought it was decorative, but it was actually purposeful. And that wheel meant that this is a place of safety, literally a safe house, freedom and safety, those two concepts of Jesus Christ being the door, you're free and you're safe. What is it about the door that should matter to us? What is it about Jesus being the door? What does he mean? Well, I think the first thing is that he's the door opener. Jesus is the door opener. Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 say, Write to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, Thus says the Holy One, the True One, The one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will close and who closes and no one opens. Remember that passage. Remember that phrase. I know your works. Look, I have placed before you an open door. I've placed before you an open door. He doesn't say at one time in your life, I'm going to lead you to an open door. He doesn't say at some point in life, you might stumble across an open door. Jesus says to you, he said to the church of Philadelphia and to us, because he recorded it for us as followers of him, that I have placed before you an open door. There's an open door in your life. What does that mean? He says, not only have I placed before you an open door, I'm the only one that can open it. Not only am I the only one that can open it, I'm the only one that can shut it. No one opens the door but me. No one closes the door but me. What does that mean? Well, I believe this. How many of you ever heard the song, Beyond the Open Door? It's an older song from back in the 90s. I've been listening to it all week, it's a beautiful song. A group called Faith First, if you want to look it up on YouTube, a group called Faith First sings a beautiful rendition of his great song. <sighs> the open door that that Jesus Christ places before you, if if you've accepted him as your savior, what I mean by that is if you've realized at some point in your life that you're a sinner, we all are. <laughs> Please don't get offended. We all are. Doesn't mean you're a horrible individual. We are all sinners. We've all done things wrong, we've all missed the mark of God in our lives. And you've realized that you're a sinner, realize that there's nothing you can do on your own to get yourself to heaven, that all your efforts are useless and worthless. In fact, the Bible says all our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags when it comes to the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You realize that you can't do anything to get yourself to heaven. but There's a reason beyond simply a holiday that Jesus died on the cross. Beyond, a reason beyond a nice piece of jewelry, a reason beyond pomp and circumstance. You see, Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for the sins of humanity. All the sins. In fact, the Bible says he made one sacrifice for sins forever. All the sins of all the world that ever were and ever will be committed, the price has been paid for them. That means all of your sins, the price has been paid because see, the Bible says the wages of sin is death not just physical death, but spiritual death. The Bible says that as a, as a human being, when you're born, you're born in sin and you're born spiritually dead. But the Holy Spirit of God speaks to us and speaks to our heart, and we call it in our, in our speak, in our Christian language, you call it conviction. It's the drawing of the Holy Spirit. It's that... that That spark in your your consciousness, in your heart that says there's got to be something more. There's got to be some truth. There's got to be something that matters beyond just being as good as I possibly can be. Bible says Jesus died for your sins. He paid the price and he offers it to you as a gift, not as a wage, not as something you can earn. He offers it to you as a gift. He says here, I paid the price. I did the work. All you have to do is accept it. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would love to talk with you. There are people here that would love to talk to you about that. But if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if all of that is true, if that's what you're trusting, not your own good works, not the fact that you were baptized in a certain church, not the fact that you, uh, you've, you've, uh, your, your, good, your good deeds are going to outweigh your bad or that you were the right religion, the right faith, that you've put your faith and trust in the the atoning work of Jesus Christ, if that's true, that he has put before you an open door. That open door is an opportunity. Now, I know that you hear opportunity nowadays in church, and it's like, if you give your seed money, if you give your seed money, God wants to bless you, man. God wants to bless your wallet. Why is it that in the American church, the American evangelical church, it all comes down to money? Always does, doesn't it? It's all about the money. But with God, it's not. In God's economy, the money of man is not what it's about. See, God wants to use you. God wants to bless you. God wants to give you opportunities to become a stronger more vibrant, more productive follower of his. How does he measure success as a follower of Christ? Personally growing in the knowledge and understanding of your faith, putting that to work in your life, growing stronger, making your armor more powerful and more vibrant and more useful, and then going out into the highways and the byways and telling people about Jesus and compelling them to come in. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. Say, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for us to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. I love a uh, chains. I love how Paul says, I'm a prisoner of Christ, man. I'm in chains to the will of God. I can do nothing else but follow Jesus Christ. <laughs> So that I can make known as I should, make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. See, Paul says, pray that God will open that door for you to speak his word. To share his truth. Jesus also says, if he is lifted up, we say this all the time. If he is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. The door that he wants to open for you first is a door of opportunity. It's a door that gives you the opportunity to serve him. The open door could be a door of change. It usually is. The open door he places before you is a door of change. I know we don't like that, right? We don't like change. Most people, even people who say, oh, I love change, really don't like change. What they like is change that they like, not change that they don't like. Because the change, change that they don't like makes them unhappy, makes them nervous. But the open door is a door of change. That door may be a pivot in life and ministry for you. You may have been going this way fully thinking that this is what God had and God may say okay we've gone far enough here now we're going to pivot. Those pivots sometimes are the hardest ones to make aren't they? Sometimes it's very difficult to swerve to the left or to, to go to the left or look at that path especially if that door is like not lit. But what does he say? What did, what did David said, say, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The open door may not be your will. In fact, that open door usually isn't your will. It's usually something God is saying, okay, it's time for you to do something different. It's time for you to go a different way. It's time for me to start growing you in a different way. This is what I love. You don't understand. This is what I love. This is what I want. And we rationalize ourselves. We say, why would God change what I love? God's not changing what you love. And by the way, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about what he's called you to do. I'm sure Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Germany in, in, during World War II wasn't happy when that individual took over Germany and changed everything, and he had to go a different way, ended up being jailed for his faith and hung for his faith. May not always be your will. First Corinthians chapter 16, verses eight through 10. Paul writes, But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a wide open door for effective ministry has opened for me, yet many oppose me. If Timothy comes, see that he has nothing to fear while with you because he is doing the Lord's work just as I am. Paul's plans changed. Paul was going to be moving on, but his plans changed. Why? Because God opened a door for him. Sometimes that door will cause you to pivot from what you thought you were going to do. What is the lesson here? Always be open to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever get so comfortable in your will, in your way, in your comfort zone, that you're not open to God's change in your life. He may want to take you in a different direction. In fact, he may be equipping you right now to do work and to do ministry and to do things that you never dreamed or thought you ever could. Some of you may have thought you'd never end up at a church like New Life. Let me tell you something, man. God didn't bring you here so that you could end up being comfortable in our new chairs. God brought you here. So by by the way, for those of you who don't know, we used to have pews. (laughs) That's where the new chairs comment came from. God has brought you here for a purpose. He's brought you here for a reason. That means God has a plan for you. And if he's called you to be in New Life, that plan means working and serving and ministering here at New Life. What that is, listen, we can find out together. But God has a plan for you here. Maybe, maybe God has brought you to a pivot point in your life. And it's time to do something different that doesn't include here. Here. Now, I don't like that. (laughs) I don't like it when people leave. I don't like it when people are moved away. I don't like it when people uh, are called uh, somewhere else. But I'm mature enough and grown enough and secure enough in my faith to know that God needs His people where He wants them. And it's important that we follow His plan. Maybe you want to go somewhere else, but God says no this is where you need to be sometimes that means you have to grow up and mature and accept the fact that you're wrong or that what you are so intent on just really doesn't matter to the kingdom of god so you need to be mature enough to get beyond your issue and say okay i can handle this i can i can i can deal with it i can stay we've we've had people walk in here over the years that we can't see them now because of the wall, but we had a drum set up here. We've had people walk out because they walk in, see the drums and they walk out. Now listen, man, if a set of drums is going to cause you to walk out of a church, I think you get a whole lot more problems in your heart than, than musical style. I'm just, I, listen, I've, I've walked this way for a lot of years and I've dealt with a lot of things. I was a pastor's kid. I've been a pastor, I've been a youth pastor. I can tell you that if the drums are the reason you walked out of the church, there's a whole lot more wrong with your walk than Jesus Christ than a drum set. And you can fill in the blank, you can take the drums out and fill in the blank with whatever your pet peeve is. Maybe you don't like a pastor that has tattoos. Oh well, (laughs) sorry. We can agree to disagree. That brings us to this. The open door may make you feel uncomfortable and even a little bit of fear. Ever felt that way in the leadership of God? He's asking you, you think he's asking you to take a step of faith, but he's asking you to take a leap of faith. That's how we grow, man. That's how we grow. When he says, when, when Peter said, Lord, bid me to come walk on the water with you we always focus on the fact that Peter took his eyes off Jesus and sunk the cat had to get out to Jesus first right he walked on water seriously man how many of us would do that I I was raised by a man who spent 20 years in the Navy and loved to stand on the deck of a a cruiser filming typhoons right my father loved him to death he's a wonderful man He's the greatest baseball fan for my, my uh, two youngest sons. He's there, there at every game he can make. But my dad's a little bit crazy, right? When you stand on the deck of a destroyer with a, an eight millimeter six, I don't know what they had back in those days, and you film a typhoon, something's not right. Just saying. I, as the sane one in the family, I joined the army you know why (laughs) because ain't no way I'm getting out in that water no way so when I see the story that Peter stepped out not on a little pond and not on a nice clear day when he stepped on faith and walked on the water towards Jesus in the middle of a storm Gotcha, (laughs) man. Yeah, okay, I probably would have been scared when the waves went up, and I probably would have looked around too, but you got out of the boat. Sometimes that open door is going to make you uncomfortable. Sometimes that open door is going to cause you to feel fear. But nothing great for God was ever done in your comfort zone, and nothing great for God was ever done motivated by your fear. Second Corinthians 2, 11 through 13 say, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though the Lord opened a door for me, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus. Instead, I said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia. Whether or not the, un, the, whether or not the open door makes you comfortable, afraid, Whatever the open door does for you, understand this. The open door is the best path for your life and the best way for you to serve him effectively. It may not be your choice. It may not be your desire. It may not be what you had planned for your life. But you're not the one that can open the door and you're not the one that can close the door. So when you get to that open door, realize and understand that it's Jesus Christ that has opened the door for you and it's incumbent upon you to walk through it. Now, he's not only the door opener, he's the door closer as well. And I think more so than the open door I think we have issues and problems in our lives as followers of Christ with closed doors. We fight and we kick and we scream. If I were to to have you all raise your hand today, how many of you would say, I love failure, I love to fail, I love when my plans go wrong, I love to admit that I'm wrong, there's nothing like it, it's the greatest thing since popcorn. Most of us are like, for those of you who remember happy days, we're like Fonzie. I was, ru- ru- ru. he couldn't say the word wrong, right? You can look that up on the YouTube. Okay. We don't like to admit that we're wrong. Why? Because when we admit that we're wrong, <laughs> when we, admit that we're wrong we feel like we failed. We feel like our efforts were useless and worthless. We feel like we did not contribute. We feel like those around us think less of us because we didn't do things the right way. When what we should understand is that success many times is built on the building blocks of failure. And the right way many times is found because you learned from the wrong ways. Failure is a path to success. Acts 16, verses 6 and 7 says, They went through the region of Pergia and Galatia. They had been, for, uh, they had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word. In Asia. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? Um, Paul was called to preach the word. Paul was a church planter. He was the original church planter. Paul went around his entire region planting gospel New Testament churches, telling people about Jesus, reaching them with the gospel of Christ, sharing the good news, winning people to Jesus, raising up pastors and elders and strong women and strong leaders in the church. And here... They come to this area, and the Holy Spirit forbids them to speak the word of God? What in the world is going on? Well, apparently, God had a plan. It went on, and when they came to uh, Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of God did not allow them. But wait a minute. That's really what I want to do. It's what, it's, no man, that's what is needed. Don't you see God? Don't you see what I see? I can do this. I can do that. Yes, that's the problem. I, I, I. (laughs) But Jesus told the greatest missionary in the world, in the history of the world, no, no. This place isn't ready for it yet. This is not where I'm leading you. This is just a passageway to my will. This is the hallway from one door to another. Those doors you see on the sides, they're closed. And remember what I said in Revelation, I'm the one that can open the door and I'm the only one that can close the door. See, too many times, too many of us spend our times kicking and punching and banging our head against the door, trying to get it to open. And we waste days and weeks and months and sometimes even years trying to get our will done when God is trying to tell you, hello, the door is closed. You can't open it. Stop trying. Maybe, just maybe, you need to back away from the door Allow him to lead you beside the still water. Allow him to restore your soul and say, Hey, now let's move forward. Now let's find the open door because I've got one for you. You just need to be willing to follow me. That's a tough place to be. I'm not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. When I was when I went back to college, my major is not theology. It's my minor. my major is missions. I was a missions major i I surrendered man. I, I how many of you remember walking the aisle and slinging some snot at the altar and surrendering to God? I did that for missions because I, I I wanted none of it, man. I wanted none of missions. I'd been in the army, I'd been around the world and i I didn't want to, I wanted to I wanted to be truth truth be told I wanted to be a youth pastor and a co... I want to be the oldest surviving youth pastor in the world. That was my heart, man. I love teenagers. I was not... A, I, I was all about being a support pastor. I wasn't going to be a senior pastor. That wasn't the call on my life. And then, man, God broke my heart. And I walked the aisle. And in, with a broken heart, I gave my, my life to whatever God wanted including missions, being a missionary. And I was offered, uh, there was a, a couple retiring, uh, missionary couple retiring for the Philippines. Their ministry was in Manila. You know what they did? You know what, their, you know what part of their ministry was? They had an open invitation from the mayor of Manila to hold Bible studies. You know where? The largest high school in the world. High school in Manila, 55,000 students. I'm your guy. I'm your guy, God. John the youth pastor. This is me. I'm here. Bang. Door was shut right in my face. God said, that's not what I have for you. In fact, little little twist of fate here, Johnny boy. I want you to go back to your home church and take over a ministry your mother and father have worked in for years and, and carved out of stone. I want you to take that ministry over. But that's not my plan, god. <laughs> we need to have a talk. Okay, cuz that's not that's not my plan. You know what? I'm really glad that I listened to God, because as I look around this congregation, I see people whose lives God has used me to touch. And I see people who God has used their lives to touch mine. And together we create a symphony of service to our Savior that can't be quieted, that won't be quieted, that is making a difference in the least evangelized metropolitan area in this country is reaching people with a gospel that the vast majority of our community has not, not that they don't agree with, they've never heard. I'm glad that he's the God of the open door because I have found my absolute purpose in life. Sometimes God says no to your idea. Sometimes he says no to your plan. In those moments when he says no, in those moments when he has closed that door, what's your response? How do you respond? Do you continue to push forward and think you're making progress, but it's just because you keep backing up and going forward and hitting that closed door? That's not progress. What's the definition of insanity? Let's move on. Or do you stop, reassess, and consult God on what he's doing? You see, sometimes the big ego needs to be swallowed so the big I am can show you what is true. Matthew chapter 10, verses 12 through 14 to counsel people with this a lot of times I've even had to counsel pastors with this with this passage because so many times we keep going the same way hitting the same door hitting the same doing the same thing over and over and over again when sometimes we need to realize you sometimes you just have to cut a person loose greet a household when you enter it and if the household is worthy let your peace be on it but, it is, but if it is unworthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off of your feet when you leave that house or town." That's not in nastiness. That's not in bitterness or being ugly. He's just saying, okay, you've got your answer. Brush the dust off your feet. Go to the next, go, go to the next mission. Go to the next mission. This one was a no. This one didn't work. I I worked my way through college for a time working. Remember MCI WorldCom? Remember when there were long distance wars? I was one of those guys that called you. Hey, I get five cents nights and weekends. I know you don't have that with AT&T. I'll even give you blockbuster rentals to Switch. You know what MCI MCI's goal was for us as sales reps to get two yeses out of every 100. Two out of 100. 100. That means they expected us success for MCI Worldcom was 98% failure. That's something. 98% failure was success. Our problem is that just because we get a no or just because we come to a closed door, we think it's a failure. When what God is trying to do is teach us something. There was something to learn, there was something to do. Or when the door finally closes for us and he says enough, That's time to move on. It's time to do something different now. You've grown as much as you can here. Now we're going to move you here. We buck up against that and say, no, 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 God, that just can't be it. Because I would have to admit failure. No, you wouldn't. See, what you're saying is God is failing to lead you properly. When what God is saying is, I've closed the door now. It's time to move on. And when you do, brush the dust off your feet and start fresh. There are doors that he wants to close for you. Some of you are being hindered in your life because you're leaving doors open that God wants to close. He wants to close doors that are not productive, that are not valuable, that are not beneficial for you. You know what I'm talking about, the door of self-hatred, the door of pain, the door of the shame of your past. God wants to slam that door for you. He says, enough is enough. Stop." And I'm not being flip. I'm not being mean. Please, I'm, being, I'm saying this with a heart of love. Enough of the self-pity. Move on. You have a Savior that is full of love and grace, and He wants to heal you. Allow Him to. Allow Him to heal that pain. Allow Him to heal that hurt. Allow Him to take that shame, and make give and and give you beauty for the ashes that you made, because He wants to do it for you. but you are trying to close or open a door that he says no to. Just listen and let him do his will. The door of spinning wheels, wasted time and wasted efforts. Sometimes you just have to walk away and cut a person loose, folks. Let them ruminate in what you've already ministered to them in. Sometimes people walk away from church and it's not anybody's fault but their own and you miss some great opportunities to reach new people that are lost and dying because you're so focused on getting your friend back. Move on. The door of your anger, your bitterness and frustration, the door of your addiction and your defeat, the door of your religion and false beliefs. He wants to close those doors for you forever and help you move beyond them. And there are doors that he needs to close for you for different reasons. They may have been valuable at one time. Remember what Paul wrote to Timothy when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Sometimes God is closing doors for you because it's time for you to move on. Sometimes God just wants to, I think God wants to test us sometimes to see if we're willing See, I don't, think it a fa- I don't think it a failure that I never went to the Philippines to, ma- to be a missionary. I think that was a part of my heart that God was saying, hey, John, you tell people you're fully surrendered to me, but you're not. Because if, I call- because if I called you to missions, you would fight me on it. And I had to be broken in my spirit and say, God, I'll give you all of me. I'll even go, I'll go to the mission field. And sometimes God is simply trying to say, are you willing? Are you really surrendered to me fully? A closed door may be simply an opportunity to wait in faith that God will move in his time and not yours. See, Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there's an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. Closed door might be a time of protection for you. The door may be closed for your own good. What you thought was his path may have been a diversion to waste your time and efforts. John 20, verse 19, after Jesus was crucified, the apostles went up to an upper room and they closed and locked the door. I think it's significant that Jesus didn't open the door and go in, didn't knock on the door and go in. He walked through the door. I think that's significant, that he left that door closed for for their safety, but he walked in and ministered to them. Closed door is a chance for you to reassess, rearrange, and reposition your life to be more in line with his plans. Closed door is not a sin. It's not a mistake. It's an opportunity to learn and to grow. Listen, folks, we all face these doors in our lives as followers of Jesus. We face open doors and we face closed doors. It doesn't, the, the, the most important thing is that you listen to God and follow him but I also think it's incredibly important that you in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind, in your soul are willing to go wherever he wants you to go to. You're willing to walk through an open door or you're willing to move away from a closed door. How do you get there? And you surrender to him. You read your Bible. You get involved in church. You bring people around you that will help you to grow in your faith. <laughs> if you're a man, you get involved in our men's ministry. Talk with some of these guys that have been where you're at right now and have had to fight their way through. If you're, a, if you're a lady, we have ladies all around this church. We have a ladies Bible study on Wednesday night. Get involved. Talk with people. We have people who have walked with the Lord for years, and they've more than likely faced something that you've faced in life. Learn from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Get connected so that you can grow and live and learn. Beyond the open door, there's a new and fresh anointing. Hear the Savior calling you to go. Walk on through the door, for the Savior goes before you into a higher power that you've, than you've ever known before. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege of being here. I thank you, Lord, that you have preserved and protected your church. Lord the reason we can be here today in freedom the reason we can worship the re- reason we can reach out to you and cry out to you is because you have placed us in a in a life situation where we have the freedom to do so. Father, I'm so thankful and grateful for that. Lord, we all have situations and circumstances in life. Father, it's not our in 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 your calling it's not our job to determine our life's path it's our calling to follow your leadership with every head bowed and every eye closed nobody looking around not looking to lengthen every anything here but i just want to say to you this morning first of all if you're here this morning and you've never accepted christ as your savior listen there's nobody looking around I'm the only one looking here in the auditorium if you've never accepted Christ, and you would have the courage to raise your hand and say, Pastor John, would you pray for me? I promise you, I won't embarrass you. I won't come to you. I won't point you out, but I wanna pray for you. If you wanna to talk to me about it, I'd love to talk to you. But is there anyone who would raise their hand and say, Pastor John, I've never accepted Christ as my savior, all right? Well, Christians, let me ask you this. Maybe your life right now is a struggle, and not because of the issues with COVID and the economy, blah, blah, blah. It's because your heart is not fully surrendered to God. You'd raise your hand and say, Pastor John, would you pray for me? Because listen, I know what it's like to be there. I know what it's like to struggle with that. Pastor John, would you pray for me that I'll yield completely to the Lord so that he would show me his leadership? Thank you so much for your honesty. Thank you so much for those hands. I appreciate your honesty. I, I, I promise you, I'll be praying for you, thank you so much. Father, you saw the hands and you know the hearts. And Lord, I pray that you'll be the peace and the comfort and the wisdom and the direction for your children. Father, we're facing a world that's very different than what it was just a year and a half ago. It's amazing, it's, many of our heads are spinning with the changes that have gone on in life. Yet Father, you are the same, the same yesterday, the same today and forever. You are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. You will never change. And God, though our circumstances and our times change, you are always the same and your message is always the same. Father, I pray that we'll hold on to that as an anchor for our soul in the midst of chaos. (laughs) Father, would you reveal to us the open doors? Show us that the doors that we're banging on are closed and it's time to pivot and move on. God, would you lead this church through your way and your will. And may we have the courage to walk through those doors. Lord, bless us as we go from this place. Thank you so much for those who are willing to be out here, for those of us who could join us live on, uh, on Facebook or YouTube, Lord. We appreciate it. I pray that you'll show us those doors, give us opportunities. May we live for you this week. May we lift you high. Your name we pray. Amen.